our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Pick up your phone while driving, and you might need to be picked up from work. Break the speed limit, and you could be breaking plans with your mates. Leave L or N plates off your car, and you could be left getting taxis for the next six months. So ask yourself, is it really worth it? Seven penalty points over three years will disqualify learner and novice drivers for six months. Steer clear of points and stay on the road. A message from the Road Safety Authority. Episode 18 of the bloodandwood.com podcast. No, Blood and Mud, not Blood and Wood. I don't know why I said that. I am <laughs> Lee Calvert. I am the editor of bloodandmud.com. <laughs> and over there is... I'm Josh Gardner of rugbyshirtwatch.com. He is. Um, we are kind of engorged on chocolate here. So I've chocolate. got an England shirt on. I look not unlike Tom Waldron. <laughs> I don't think there'll yes. be a... I think I you'd be just as handy from like six inches out as well. I certainly will be. I actually nice. look—I actually look more like Toby Flood on Friday. That's how much chocolate <laughs> I mean. Um, anyway, uh, you can get in touch with the pod on Twitter at Blood and Mud, or you can get in touch with Josh at Josh yeah. Gardner. Um, we are available on SoundCloud. We're available on iTunes. You can subscribe to us. Thank you very much for everybody who's been listening so far. Don't forget that you can listen to us and leave a review, and that'd be very useful. Coming up this week. Uh, we've got uh, review of the weekend. We've got an update on our zebra shit watch. The shit good oh, yes. ratings as usual. Um, we'll talk about how a certain English winger got a cap, and we're also going to have a bit of a riff, Josh, because we're going to try and get serious for once, sort of, Ooh. about how it's always dangerous <laughs> about how a global sense. season might work. Yes, I've got an idea that I haven't thought through, so that should be fun. Bloodandmud.com podcast, not thinking things through for 18 episodes. We're not going to stop doing that now. So thank oh, you no. very much indeed. Obviously, any thoughts you've got, as I've already said, you can you can get them to us on Twitter. You can get them to us on email or whatever, or just simply shout at us in the street. We don't really care. But if any thoughts on anything we could talk about today, please let us know because it's very helpful to 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 mm-hmm. us. So, Josh, the weekend, it seems it seems strange not to be having the media circus of the Six Nations for days on end. 
Yes, it's weird. Like it's odd that it's sort of been like, oh, bank holiday, four days off to do nothing but watch sport, and then it's all a bit like, oh, it's back to the sort of much less hyped domestic rugby, which is not necessarily a bad. Not thing. necessarily a bad thing. Quite, that's quite enjoyable. But yeah, it, it, it's weird to go from the sort of frenzied hype of a Grand Slam climax weekend to back to fixtures like Edinburgh versus Dragons and things like that. <laughs> oh, heartbreaker as well. So it, oh, it was awful. Right, so let's have a look at the weekend in general. We won't go game by game, that's probably a bit too much, but kind of yeah. key themes of the weekend. Let's start with the Premiership, shall we? Um, some Key theme for me was probably the Six Nations is over, let's stop all this fucking around and get back to reality. Certainly from Saracen's point of view. Yes. Yeah, all this losing is just not happening anymore. <laughs> no, they, no, no. They've reassimilated the large data chips and, and they can crack on with absolutely battering people it was actually quite a noticeably fantastic performance wasn't it because extra are not a stupid they were team exceptionally at good. All. Well, that's the thing it's like they've, they've been so badly affected by losing their test stars and and what and they have definitely and but the way that they slipped back into gear so effortlessly and like it's almost been like rope dope for the season hasn't it it's like yeah they've spent the entire six nations sort of giving them a sniff and letting the trailing pack tie themselves out trying to catch them and then just when they think they have the advantage boom they turn around and smash the shit out of the team that's currently just above them in the table like Michael Johnson in the 200 metres when he used to run it where he was, everyone was with him until yes, he came exactly off the bend like and then just had his, his finish <laughs> but yeah it's, um, it is true that they have been well a lot of teams have been affected by these Six Nations mm. games haven't they I mean I think Sarah, we were saying before the Six Nations started will Saracens ever lose I think they lost one game just before the Six Nations and then they went into yes. it and they've lost a total of four now I think which is um, mm. which is so they've definitely looked a lot more human than they have done for like over the Six Nations period but yeah. I'm pretty still sure still not actually human that now. obviously no not at but, all uh, but yeah no a little bit human but it's interesting well I was looking at the table before because when you look they've got um, I'll just bring the chair but it's interesting they've not got many bonus points really relatively speaking so no. it's because they batter people yeah and they don't really score that many tries it's just yeah. relentless efficiency yes they are basically the Terminator they look human they're not human <laughs> and there's just yeah those Saracens are out there they will not stop etc etc yeah so that was a that was a decent game Bath seems to turn their season mm. round too late but enough not to drop yes, them completely way too late. in the shit Yes, I mean it was almost like they won in spite of themselves. But uh, yeah, that that Bath pack for the first time in a while looked very good. Yeah. Particularly the front row, they absolutely mashed what was left of Gloucester's front row. And the people who've not been doing a, who don't get a lot of plaudits, really. I think someone on Twitter was saying to me that uh, you know Matt Garvey doesn't get a lot of plaudits, but probably yeah, probably really deserves. He's pretty good most times. Yeah, it was David Hornsby on on Twitter said to me, Matt Garvey never gets praise, but looks like looks like a butcher. <laughs> But gets through a mountain of work. He does look like he should be wearing a white apron, doesn't he? He does a little or a stripy bit. Yeah. Apron. And cats, I thought the um the prop for Bat. Nathan Cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah, well he's yeah. he's well he's he's on for great things, I think. I think so, yeah. Um anything else that pick you pick out from the premiership this weekend? Yeah, uh, not I guess it's kind of the end of the line for London Irish there, is it? I mean Well, Newcastle like, have been pulled back into it a bit, haven't they? I think there's only, there's a little only bit, haven't they? four points between them now. Something it is like four that. points, yeah. It's not a lot in it, that. No, I mean, they're running out of games to do something now, I think, but obviously it's that dr- Newcastle haven't managed to sort of build on that nice little run of wins that they had 
couple of weeks ago. Well, during the Six Nations, yeah. they seem to have kind of went <laughs> yeah. the opposite direction, didn't they? It does mm. just show you when you well, does it show you that when you strip international players out of any team, it levels pretty much everything off because teams were losing. Yeah, it it, it level pe- some people off more than others, i.e., Quinns yeah. uh, coming on to which mm. they lost again at the weekend. Fucking hell! Where has that gone wrong? Like they remember they they were the team that beat Saris. They were, yeah, that's right, the true, yeah, Six course, Nations, yeah. and since then they've won twice and lost seven. I remember saying just before the Six Nations started, I remember saying oh, I can't see this top four changing because everybody yeah. looked they were playing pretty well, even with the internationals going. I yeah. thought they looked they'd, they'd have enough to stay there, but obviously Quinns mm. are now in sixth, and Northampton. Have got have into come out fourth. of nowhere. And, How did and that happen? Fourth, yeah, without ever looking good, they've somehow sort of established themselves as as being well in with a shout of the playoffs again. Yeah, it's, it's, I think losing Nick Evans has been the, an absolute killer. As, for it, as it would be, to be fair, as it would be. Team. Yeah, but then obviously losing Roberts, losing Robshaw, losing Clifford as well. I guess you know it's Marla. They've and Marla as well. I mean it's. It, it is a lot for any team to deal with, but they've they've just not dealt with it well at all. No, but they lost to Newcastle, didn't they? They don't, you know, nobody loses yeah. enough players for that to happen, even with Andy Good <laughs> exactly. playing for them. Yeah, it's got, they've had they've had quite a lot of injuries as well. I know Adam Jones has been injured, and it's it's they kind of remind me of the situation that the Ospreys have found themselves in over in the Pro Twelve, to be honest, where it's like they've suffered through lack of internationals and a comical injury list as well, and it's just kind of. It's not really gone to plan for them at all this season. What? But yeah, wasps on the other hand, um, they they yeah. they've had a very good Six Nations. Yeah, um, really good, and they they continue and they've sort of come out of it with in credit and with momentum, which has got to be a good thing going into. You know, they've got a European quarter final to come, and they've got a real chance of sort of sneaking into that top four so I mean you know I've said this before and I'll say it again am I a bad person for, for wanting it of wanting it all to fail <laughs> and this is not a Haskell thing this is the whole franchising just pissing off to another part of the country thing I'm not really sure if that's yeah you know I know it's kind of mean spirited on me but I do think well I'd rather you weren't doing there very is... well up there really because everyone will then because as we know, rugby's very keen to sort of brush things out under the carpet, isn't it? If, well, you know, yes. <laughs> they just want to. <laughs> they need like... to move on, basically. And I suppose I've mm. said that said to me a number of times. Somebody actually posted a, a, a Frozen from Disney meme to me, saying I should let it go. <laughs> that, that's how bad it's become. I can't work out. If that's because that's how bad I've got, or that's the level of um, of wit I I'm dealing with. <laughs> I think it's more the latter, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, there is no getting away from the fact that what's happened with wasps in the last 18 months has been quite tasteless and you know just a little bit sort of uh, i said before uh, traditional sport like i can't be. believe how little people have said about it you know it's, it, it's so when odd, mk dons it? did this in football they were almost talking about going to the court of arbitration for sport such was the well, yeah exactly. such was the upset questions in parliament and all it this was shit, yeah you know, and whereas were they do well well you know they're like the play next Saturday. Yeah. Let's forget about it now. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, part of that shows how few people really bothered to go and watch them when they were in. I suppose Adams yeah. Park, and I guess if there had been, you know, a decent crowd of, you know, ten thousand or whatever, a they probably wouldn't have moved in the first place, and b there would have been a lot more people making a fuss. But there's a finite amount of fuss that like four or five thousand people can <laughs> That's make. Very true. Um, the um. <laughs> 
My mate, funny enough, I mean, talk about the positives of it, I suppose. My mate lives in, a lad I was at uni with, plays rugby at Sutton Coalfield, and he lives in he lives in that area. Mm. Obviously, they've gone big on the community outreach stuff since they've got there. And they've been, yeah, they've been running coaching camps and people have been coming down and, and all that kind of stuff. So I suppose I should stop being awful, really. You know, they, <laughs> I think it's just the fact that it's that yeah, millionaire no. guy who owns them got that, yeah. got that I mean, stadium have, for fuck no... all and then now just gets to basically, you know... Get all this real estate. That's I think that's what pisses yeah, me off. And it's, it's, it's probably petty jealousy. They have done. They have done actually quite a nice job of integrating themselves. You know, my mate lives in uh, just outside of Brum, and he's been sort of and works in Coventry, and he's been very impressed with the level of engagement that they've had with the local community. I imagine Worcester are less happy about the level of engagement <laughs> they've had with the local community, but oh well. Yeah, well, they've not got you know. They've not got the brand. And the Solihull Bees or whatever their name are as well. Who uh, Is that what it used to be Per Temps people? Bees? Or were they I something so, else? yes, yeah. Yeah. Martin Johnson used to play for them, I think. Not when they were Per Temps Bees, or did he play though, for, Or did he play... Yeah, or did he play for the school in Solihull? I don't know. Anyway, anyway we massively yes. digress. The bottom line is, is that Wasps were so. down in... Everyone was talking about how well Wasps were playing a few months ago, but yet they were actually in 7th yes. and 8th. And I think people mm. tend to forget that, whereas actually they have just managed to keep plugging away... But you see, the thing is, they've not lost the likes of Nathan Hughes and stuff to the championship to, to, no, to the Six Nations, exactly. have they? You know, so they have managed to keep their end up slightly more. They've got George Smith, who's, yeah, who's a better seven than thought... the England seven that they've lost. So yeah, and <laughs> and I think what's his face, uh, Thomas Young, Dar Young's boy, mm. who's playing blindside flanker for them. He scored two tries on the weekend, and he's looking quite and handy as well. And that guy Thompson, who played number eight the other week, was, was yeah. outstanding. I think it's Guy Thompson. Correct me if I'm wrong. He was outstanding. Mm. Anyway, so yeah, so there you mm. go. That was that was the that was sort of the Premiership. Was there anything else you want to pick up from there? Yeah, no. Thought Pro Twelve wise, it was it, it had a bit of a sense of finality to it this weekend. Yeah, like Scarlets and Connacht winning their big derbies. That looks pretty set that they are going to be in the top four um, you know all that's really left to argue about I think is probably the order of the top six Munster, Oster and Glasgow have sort of pulled away from Edinburgh, Ospreys and the Blues and so yeah kind of the last couple of weeks are just going to be sort of those big teams fighting amongst themselves to see who gets into the playoffs and see who gets into and if Connacht win the Challenge Europe. Cup, is it right they get an extra European place in the Pro 12? Is that the... if if yeah, basically whoever finishes seventh because of the ridiculous nature of Champions Cup qualification, um, even though seven teams come from the Pro 12, one of them has to be Italian. So um, I mean that's just a nonsense, isn't it? Really? Oh, I I could go on at length about <laughs> this, but yeah, it is a nonsense. Um, and but yeah, if Connacht win it, then the the team that wins. The Challenge Cup basically gets an extra place in the European like Cup. League gets right. an extra place in in the Champions Cup. So yeah, the seventh place team would then get in, but it would rely on Connacht winning it, which I wouldn't bet against to be honest, because it's very clear now that Connacht are the best team in the first half this year. Yeah. I think they've been the most consistent. They've beaten Leicester. Uh, they've beaten Leicester. They've beaten Munster at home and away you know it's. I can't work out what it says that a develop, effectively a development region is winning an international league well I think it's or international it's, it's league kind of, it. it's kind of wonderful it is it's great but I just can't work out what, it, what it says about the league absolutely yeah but it's, it's rigged the RFU has rigged that system to ensure that Connacht stay the poor relations and what Pat Lamb has done is he's basically been very very shrewd in signing some very good players that were basically no names 
and had a fair bit of luck with some very promising players like Henshaw coming through. Yeah. And, I mean, there is no doubt that everybody else has taken a bit of a step back this season. You know, Leinster aren't as good as they were, Munster aren't as good as they were, Ulster aren't as good as they were, the Ospreys aren't as good as they were, whereas, you know, Connacht have obviously upped their level a little bit and... Yeah, they're, they're, they've reaped the rewards, and you can't take that away the from them. The league's got a very funny pick, kind of it's got a really funny look this year because Scarlets are in third, and then you've got—it's it, almost like you've basically got a Scottish sandwich here. You've yeah. got—you've basically got sort of the Irish teams are the top half, with the exception of Scarlets. Then you've got the two Scottish teams wedged in the middle. Then the rest of the Welsh yeah. teams, and then of course the Italian teams are the kind of slightly battered paper plate. The whole thing is is served <laughs> up on basically. But, yes. Um, but yeah, it's 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 strange to see it that way. I mean, it's it's a weird year. I think the World Cup has had a big impact on it. In certainly with with a lot of the bigger teams like the Ospreys and the Blues and and Munster and Ulster and and Leinster as well. You know, they've they've lost so many of their players for such big chunks of the season. A team that doesn't have you know they've got Robbie Henshaw. That's about it as far as internationals yeah. go. They've they've been able to keep that sort of squad cohesion really well, and that's. I mean, the Ospreys have struggled, struggled for years with losing two thirds of their squad effectively, haven't they? Well, yeah. I mean, we've come onto this with the global season thing, but you know, Andrew Hoare rightly points out that they're basically getting punished for developing talent, and and they have been every year since basically the the approach of the Celtic League was invented. They've you know, they've paid the price during Six Nations and Autumn International times. For supplying half the world. So, what's team. the dragon's excuse then? <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> you give over Falatau and about one other, and still remain where. Yeah, remain. well, there's the, that's the thing though. They they're just not very <laughs> just good. Plop. And they don't, nothing we can do about it. Yeah, and then there's not much going to be done with that. But yeah, it's just things need to be done, and I think we'll talk about more about that later. Okay, but the Pro Twelve has issues to say the yes. least. Yes, so there's there's a Pro Twelve. So while we've just finished on the Pro Twelve, we will seamlessly move on. Mm. To the the only real championship that matters, as far as this blog and you lot out there that follow it are concerned, I'm sure, mm. which is who's going to win the inaugural Shitwatch Trophy. Indeed, I mean we've worked out that we, it could come down to the wire. Yes. Current holders are Zebra Shitwatch. And remind me, Josh, did they manage to hold on to the Shitwatch title this weekend? <laughs> like, I mean, like wandering troubadours, we've been stumbling through the Pro 12 for the last month or so. Like not really staying with any team for too long, and at last I feel like we found ourselves a club worthy of the <laughs> shitwatch name. Forty-seven nil was the damage against Munster to go alongside with the thirty-two nil they lost to Ulster by last time out. Um, so yeah, you know what though? I've realised we've been doing this all wrong. Right. We've been saying that it's XX days since Zebra last won again, but in truth, we've only been counting since they lost to Ulster. Now that's how long they've been in possession of the Shitwatch trophy. Right. However, the actual amount of time that they've haven't won a game for is exactly eighty days. They last won twenty two fifteen away to Worcester in the Challenge Cup, culminating in a remarkable four game win streak in Europe and the Pro Twelve, but since though it's been seven games, no wins, and they've been nilled three times. <laughs> So it's just doing it. An, an, an accident of beating a sort of strangely underperforming Ulster has made them look <laughs> somehow like they've they're actually, well they well they are shit but not as shit as they might be. Exactly yes. So we mustn't also forget. So basically, Zebra still hold on to the Shitwatch Trophy, which and, and how many days so. is it now? Because I've not done that. Are we? Are we? Are we? Yes. Yeah, so it's it's since they had the trophy. I 
I'm not entirely sure. I, I got slightly excited at the <laughs> very thought that they'd won. Eight, that it'd been 80 days since they last won I a game. It, so can we just call I, it? I think that? it's 21. I think. I think Suddenly we're on 21 about or 28. Right. It's been about three weeks. Yeah. Uh, so they've been holding this title for about a month now. I think we. I wouldn't mm. want to forget. I wouldn't want to forget because somebody did raise the question on Twitter to me. Ronan Fleming uh, on Twitter raised the question: How shit does Treviso have to be before we automatically revert the title back to them anyway? I've thought about this because they I they mean, obviously lost fifty six seven. Yeah, I mean, which is which to be fair showed more fights than sorry. Zebra did. They they showed more fight than Zebra did at least away to Cardiff on 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 Friday. And nights, how shit do you have to be to make Cardiff look that good? Well, yeah, there is that as well. I I I almost feel like you know when in the old Six Nations days when teams who were level on points just shared the title. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it could kind of be like that. With yeah. Yeah. Let's go back. Let's go back to the amateur days. <laughs> exactly. Say anyone, because they're basically playing like amateurs, so we might as let's well. Let's not say any one of you is more shit than the other one. You're both equally <laughs> as shit as each other, and I think that's very comfortable for all of us. They basically are now, yeah. There was a time earlier on in the season where Zebra looked shit, but not that shit. Hence why they're currently going to be playing in the Champions Cup next season. Um, but uh... It is, well, yeah. I mean, how, yeah. How can, it, how can you yeah. finish second from bottom and play in Europe's Premier Competition next year? It, it makes a mockery of everything. I can see it? what they're but, trying yeah. to do. I can honestly yes. see what they're trying to do, but it really has run its course now and stopped being silly. Massively so. Massively so. So, yep, yeah, there we are. Um, so, yeah, so Trevi, sorry, Zebra still hold on to the Shitwatch trophy. They're still heading for the great yes. big massive decider versus the Dragons. I mean, the Dragons might think they've got nothing left to play for this season, but I hope that they, they realise. absolutely And have. I hope that somebody in their P- off, PR office who probably listens to this, you know, every week, obviously. I, obviously. I guess that's saying. <laughs> if, if there are any Dragons fans listening to this, in fact, you need to get the word out <laughs> to your team that they don't want to end the season with this Shitwatch trophy. No. Because. It's, it it wouldn't be fair. The Dragons haven't been very good this year, but they've at least they've won some games. They're in the knockout stages of the Challenge Cup, and they they don't look entirely incompetent. And it would be a travesty and an injustice yeah. for a non-Italian team. There's absolutely no way that. would it be fair that a team that doesn't look entirely incompetent should get the shit was exactly. trophy. When there are clear candidates, that's you know that's like gold standard non shit watch stuff there, <laughs> not entirely incompetent. But uh, I, what I will say to you guys out there on Twitter, if you could, if you've ever listened to us, let us know when you listen to this. I, I'd like to, I'd like to come up with a name for this cup, which mm. will, you know, assuming we run this podcast and keep it going, we can we can sort of award it periodically. So give us a name yes. for what the, for what the shit watch cup should be, and don't say shit watch cup. Try and think of something else. Yeah, that's a bit rubbish. Um, so there you go. So that's Treviso. No, Zebra. See, I keep saying Treviso shit. Watch the, the original brand is so. It's almost like that's how it should be. <laughs> the original brand is so strong. I can't shake myself <laughs> from it. It's like I can still call them opal fruits. I can't escape it. You know, I, I'm not. If it's any consolation, there, there will be an Italian derby at some point next season, and I have a feeling things will. Revert. We need to go for a weekend trip to them, so we can just stand there booing all the way through. <laughs> Boo! You're rubbish. Boo! And then at the end, just hand over a terrible <laughs> yeah. market stall shitwatch trophy. Yeah. Oh, yes. So there you go. So that... Give this to the next person you beat, see? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see you in about 18 months. <laughs> anyway, so that was that then. Yes. Um, 
let's go on to the general shit good ratings this week. I haven't got a jingle this week because I'm not actually uh, in my normal working environment. Long story, but I don't have the jingle this week. Um, no. So, shit good ratings. Do you we to... could sing the jingle, but I mean, we probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, that would be no. a really bad idea. We do both play guitar, in case you know out there. We so, do. we could do a, a guitar based jingle, but mm. you'll be glad to hear we won't be doing that. Uh, no. Give us a shit to start with, Josh, because I need a drink. Um, as an Ospreys fan, it was a delightfully fun weekend for me, as uh, I'm sure you can understand. And my capital shit for this week is Aaron Jarvis. Because in a few years' time, we might well be using him in How the Hell Did He Get a Cap? Because let's be honest, he's rubbish. And Rob Evans absolutely demolished him on Saturday afternoon in the Scarlet's uh, Ospreys game uh, to a level that he got hooked at half time. And it's worth remembering that this player has signed a two year deal with Claremont Laverne next season. I'm. What? <laughs> he's going to get absolutely marmalised in the top 14. That's the, yeah, that's a Marcus De Rolo going to Toulouse moment there, isn't it? It's, to go it's back got to last that, week. It's it got, got that, that about one. it, Sorry, isn't it? Why? It really has. I mean, it was shocking when it happened, but seeing him get absolutely demolished by a good young prop who is still working on his craft and like I mean, to the yeah, level he had where a good he six come back He's obviously a good player. He but, did. But, he's a yeah, very good he player, but be God, a, some... an established pro in such a way, should he? Yeah, no, it's not going to go well for him in Claremont. I fear. Speaking of the uh, the the Ospreys generally, and and the fact that you mm. you lost that game. Yes, is it is it is it because Swansea Neath was always a derby, wasn't it? So yeah. is Swansea is it's not Swansea, sorry, but Ospreys is Clethley Ospreys Clethley still considered the Derby now and not that close to it I to mean, know. Yeah, it was, I mean there was always rivalry between Lethley and Swansea anyway, but obviously Neath and Swansea was, was more of the proximity was closer and therefore there was you know it was sort of equal really right. in terms of, of distaste. But yeah, it's it's definitely become it wasn't the one. It was Blues Car uh, Blues Ospreys for a while was the big one back when the Blues were half decent and the Ospreys right. were good but um, and then sort of now that the Scarlets are looking decent again that sort of it's basically the Ospreys are always tidy and periodically other teams in Wales will become good and then it will have a bit of spice and a bit of niggle with it but so. our favourite Steve Tandy appraiser has been back on this week I was wondering Dave if James has come back this. on and yeah. said can you see if Josh agrees with me yet on Tandy's predilection for picking sixes in the second row full stop the man can't put a pack together his message well, is very consistent Josh yeah I can't deny that he is very consistent in his views I it's getting to the last couple of weeks I've been sort of I've been kind of supporting Steve Tandy while at the same time sort of realising that my position is becoming increasingly untenable. <laughs> I think, as you said, whenever he was first mentioned, he was originally appointed as part of a cost-cutting <laughs> exercise. And while he has, without doubt, done better than that, you look at the quality that he's got at his disposal and the results that he's getting, even with the comical injury list that they've got at the moment, and it is ridiculous it's yeah. I do wonder if there might be a change of guard so, come the summer it's, It seems Dave James, good on you for sticking to your guns because Josh is coming mm, round to your way I of thinking finally come round. Um, So that was that for shit I'll pick up a shit here, back to Premiership Nicky mm. To, yes. to, to call him it's probably the correct way to say but it always tickles me when um, when Nick Mullins calls him Veronique Gonavar I always call him Gonavar <laughs> but Gonavar's probably right isn't it but I just it always makes probably. me Gonavar um, 
And his, uh, in inverted commas, finish versus Sale in the first half. <laughs> it's, it wasn't, it in fact wasn't no. the finish. Therein lies the fucking problem. Uh, for those of you, if you did see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you didn't see it, Leicester had worked a lovely opening on the right and it came, yeah, it came into to Gonovar's hands in the end. And the try line was, if he fell over, he'd have gone over the try line. Quite, quite if easy. he'd have fallen over slightly to his right, he'd have fallen over the try line unopposed. That that was mm. the job. Any winger would have done that. Instead, you think so? N- wouldn't Nicky Gonavar basically decided to straighten up and run directly, or attempt to run directly over the top of the fullback or the defender, and didn't succeed. I think is the best way to put it. No, and then sort of attempted a really stupid half-assed offload thing that just ended up in breaking Freddie Burns into a yeah crumpled mess on the so floor. So what should have been a certain try ended up with him spilling the ball forwards and Freddie Burns yes. lying in a fetal position gripping his back sort of slightly whimpering. <laughs> so it was, it was slow so the result was zero points one injured yes. first choice outside half basically. Yeah. Brilliant work. I mean the, I know he's signed for Newcastle next season and they're saying it's a big coup but I'm not sure many Tigers fans are feeling too bad sad to see the back room Tom Repka on Twitter did say but he'll, with that kind of shenanigans and ball, balls and up he'll fit in absolutely perfectly at Newcastle next season but um, yeah it was it was you do well it was just trying to give it it's just, it was a signal lesson in what trying to give it the Billy Big Bollocks can do on a rugby field exactly. basically just do just fall over I know you want to prove you're a big yeah. tough guy but just fall over and that would have been nope. the right thing to do mm. similarly it didn't pan out for him but Dan Carter who is if anyone is allowed to be Billy Big Bollocksing on the rugby field <laughs> it is probably him but he um, scored late for Racing Metro against Toulon on, on Saturday night I think it was um, and gave it the, the big bollocks as he scored the try because he thought he'd won the game with it and then they conceded a penalty from the ensuing kickoff and they knocked it over and lost. So, uh, karma. Yeah, so... My... Uh, yes, my next shit would be George Ford. Yes. We're talking about last week about how he was basically rubbish for most of the Six Nations and how different England's fortunes might have been without Farrell to bail him out and Christ on a bike, Bath demonstrated once again how apocalyptically bad he's playing at the moment. He missed kicks, he made unforced errors, he was a big bag of shit. And once again his team somehow bailed him out, particularly Rocket Dagoonie. So Yeah, he was he just didn't look himself David what well, He really doesn't I got a tweet I got a tweet about this from David Hornsby, Hornsby eighty eight on Twitter. He said, Shit, George Ford. A man so haunted and jittery you would thought that the Sunwolves mascot does his weekly appraisals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful! That's that is, that is wonderful. an absolutely wonderful image, isn't it? You finish yeah, the game is... and you look to the sideline, and he's just stood there looking directly at you with his human <laughs> hands, somebody who's beckoning you with his human, than we are. <laughs> crooking his human finger at you <laughs> to go over and be told. Yeah, oh, George was pretty terrible. Game's been called off for lightning to go back to to. Uh, sale versus yeah. the, um, 53 this sort of thing happens in the NFL and stuff because when they have lightning they really fucking have lightning and they're and wearing guess... metal helmets <laughs> yes and also their stadiums are big me- I guess I guess stands are like big metal things it's that... the post is it more than anything yeah maybe I guess still it's a bit odd isn't see it? I just think I think we're missing a trick here the marketing people could get hold of this you should actually hold oh, games God, specifically yeah. in lightning yeah, how dramatic would that It'd shit be? It'd be absolutely wonderful. They'd be loving it, wouldn't yeah. they? So yeah, but I've never known. I mean, and anyway, 
lightning. That's bollocks. They want to try and play where I used to play, at, for example, um, Old Panathians when the wind was blowing. You want to get down there, which is right just south of, of Swansea, or Barry Seconds, which is basically almost at the top of a cliff above yeah. Barry. Try and play there when the wind's blowing yeah, and did, the rain's coming did down. You see, have you seen any of the photos of um, Ponty Murtha from the weekend in the Swaylet Cup? No. Holy shit. It was amazing. Uh, it's it was like something from the seventies. I mean, it, uh, it was a veritable was it monsoon. On s- it was it was brown. <laughs> there was no beige. Um, they were head to toe. Andy Powell looked like he'd been like carved out of clay or something. He was so muddy, and it was it was amazing. The game went ahead, but it was brilliant that it did because they it was fantastic. Andy Powell was on the BT Sport Welsh Rugby Tonight special that was on a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. was he? And I couldn't. His accent was the strangest thing. You don't know what's happened to his accent. That's Brecon for it? you. <laughs> it's neither fish nor fowl, Brecon. You don't. <laughs> you've neither got the kind of nasal gog thing going on, nor the proper Lilton yes. South Wales going on. No. Uh, anyway, yeah. So that was. I couldn't work that out. Um, shit. No. We've said we were saying this before we came on. We can't work out. This is shit or good. Uh, Andy Goose yes. finally calling it a day. Yes. I mean, it's. I'm very sad about this. Because for starters, it's just been hilarious yeah. every minute he's and every time he's opened his because... mouth or, or pressed the button yes, on his keyboard because... on Twitter, it's been brilliant. All of his fucks long since went over the hill, and he and has none probably, of them left he, to give. And it's just he's been great. Done basically, the sort of equivalent of "I'm a celebrity, get me out of here," but much more pleasurable because basically, yes. he's massively raised his profile. Everybody, I'm not saying this is why he did it, but what is what it, what it, no, I don't no, think it is. Not. What it's led to is that he's going to get loads of media work now. He's going to be he's an absolute darling of everybody, which he should be because he's conducted himself bloody brilliantly throughout all of this. And and I think yes. I'll kind of, it's shit for me because actually we're going to go back now to it being all gym people. And nothing but media coach banality in interviews afterwards, yes. and Twitter not being very interesting. Exactly. And all. He's basically made himself a folk hero in three months, which he was for Leicester. Which he was, and and but for, for everyone, yes. like Newcastle fan or not, seeing an old portly man who looks like he could barely run a hundred yards steer a professional rugby team away from relegation, just by being bloody good at what he does, it's been a joy. Yeah, I've loved like Tom it. Waldron with football, basically. Yes, but yes, yeah, it. Yeah. The only, the only good side that I can see of it is that hopefully that will be the last we ever see of fingerless gloves on the rugby field. Yeah, sure. Brock James is still lurking though. Oh God, yeah. Is, is Brock James still James. lurking? Is he still playing? I always forget now. <coughs> yes, yeah. He'll he probably is. be playing prop for Claremont next year. The way they're going, <laughs> you think Aaron Jarvis is going to hold up that side of the scrum? They've got no chance. I mean, yeah. Can 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 Aaron Jarvis get a pair of gloves on? <laughs> if so, maybe he can play ten. Maybe that's the way forward with a scrum bind. You know, they should actually fit gloves to shirts. You have to put your hand in. There was a ridiculous idea trialed in South Africa where they made some shirts with like a little loop. Yeah, oh yeah, the shirts with handles on the jersey. That, that, yeah. Yes, that and nobody sought to think. Well, isn't that just going to make them really easy to tackle? <laughs> what with this 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 thing that's designed to be gripped? Hanging Very easy to hold onto the back of a mall. Oh. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, so that was that. Anything else on your shit there? Um. Yes, Italian rugby in general. Um, I know we sort of touched on this early, but Sebra and Treviso were outscored 103-8 <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> and as we said, one of these teams is going to play in the Champions Cup next season, and it's currently Zebro who haven't won since January and haven't scored a single point in two and games. That's like, without you even factoring in what they didn't win before January. <laughs> exactly. And like, yeah. 
it's, it's, it's just such a farce. And I mean, bonus nod also to the head of the FIR, who, whenever it was a week before last, insisted that Conor O'Shea wasn't going to be the new Italy coach. Yeah. <laughs> Which, the, 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 even in their lying, they are entirely incompetent. I do. I mean, what um, must Conor think? Yeah. When he, Conor O'Shea think when he sits and looks at what's in front of him here? Does he? Yeah. Where's the development pathway? Well, I suppose he can just say shit. international coaching, can't he? In the, in the Six Nations, mm, you're so. not going to get that anywhere else. But, but but we'll see. Yeah, Italian rugby is generally yeah. shit. Anything else? Yes, uh, one from listener Matt Matthewman, which I haven't seen, but he informed me to celebrate the the 200th appearances of Alex Goo. Pick up your phone while driving, and you might need to be picked up from work. Break the speed limit and you could be breaking plans with your mates. Leave L or N plates off your car, and you could be left getting taxis for the next six months. So ask yourself, is it really worth it? Seven penalty points over three years will disqualify learner and novice drivers for six months. Steer clear of points, and stay on the road. A message from the Road Safety Authority. Acast recommends... Podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Chris Wiles this week, Saracens greeted the pair onto the field with the sound of revving motorcycles being played loudly through the PA. Uh, Sorry? Yeah. <laughs> revving they, motorcycles. They, I, I, I didn't have time to find the video for this yet, if it even exists, but needless to say, Saracens, this is why everybody hates you. This. But it doesn't even make just, any sense. Just, no, it doesn't. It's just... Some sort of weird thing. It's like a trying to get the. Cr- it's a terrible, oh. terrible cocktail of hateful and nonsensical. Wonderfully, and that is kind of Saracens to a, a team. Well, knowing really, them, they've probably it? put it through some kind of algorithm, haven't they? They've probably put something in to say <laughs> what most sums up two hundred appearances into this big data machine. Yes, and it comes out revving motorbikes, and people go. That doesn't make much sense. Yes. Doesn't matter what you think. Your Go feeble human stand up stand up for Saracens doesn't make any sense either, but we've run with feeble, that. One. Your feeble human brain can't possibly understand what our machine throws out. Saracen's new chief executive, Rick Deckard, said uh, Yeah, so Yeah. Anything else? I've got nothing um, for shit. Listen. One more I, I don't want to go over this again because we've there's almost nothing left to say, but Ian Ritchie Will Carling and anybody else in English rugby who has never experienced r- racial discrimination, could they please stop giving the world their opinion on the Marla thing? Because I don't think you're in any position to determine its seriousness or I severity. Actually, I mean, I've been wading into this for a while, but I did wade into the Carling thing this week. I actually responded to it. I don't tend to mm. respond to pros and stuff. It's not really what I'm trying to do. No. But I actually did that this week with him because he said, I mean, seriously, I mean, I didn't know that, that, that gypsy was a discriminatory or racist term, did you? And, I, and it's come back as, and I just responded with, yes, that's why the International Rugby Board need to say that it is. 
that's yeah. the whole point, which they still haven't done. Which is the, which is the, no. the whole point of it. But yeah, and I, I really hope something comes of this this investigation well, we'll that they're they're doing in it. I think it speaks volumes that the only ex England international of that era who probably has experienced racial discrimination, i.e. Jeremy Guscott, has made his position quite clear. As has Brian Moore, to be honest. And, 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 I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not yeah. sort of saying that nobody else has, no, but I think it's, it's very it telling. And, and it's, I think yes. it's ironic that Carling's basically become one of these kind of blowhard old farts that he couldn't stand well, yeah. 25 years exactly. ago. Exactly. You know? Yes. It says a it lot, does. doesn't it? But, I mean, no, but, could, yeah, we could, we go, could on go on and on. on. We but it's just... We don't want to move on in the way that everybody is telling us on Twitter to move on because you are all dickheads if you're listening. Um, <laughs> it's, but... it's, a, it's a bigger issue than the Marla thing. That's what I keep saying. People yes. keep forgetting. No, we, yeah. I don't think Marla's. It's a bigger issue than this. It's about how we want to be as a sport. And I'll leave it at exactly. that. Exactly. And that's kind if of. If you want to really depress about, yourself, anyway. and I'm not, you know, I know people have different views on this, but if you're, if you're of my way of thinking or, or sympathetic to man and just ways of thinking if you want to depress yourself have a look at any time something about this is put on the rugby dump facebook page read the oh comment God, i mean really? obviously don't read the comments but if you really want to piss yourself uh, off read the comments it yeah. is unbelievable or also yeah follow uh media wales german journalist simon thomas who has been fairly unapologetically crusading about this thing for the last couple of weeks and yes the shit that he's getting and occasionally retweets is stratospherically depressing. It's the fact it's, it's the small-minded so, people who say I'm sat here in an England top saying that this is completely out of order. Okay, it's the kind of mm. it's the it's the it's the bad losers brigade, and if a Welsh person no, had done I it and all that, but let's leave it at that. Yeah. Um, yes. Let's go. On let's to go the on to the good. Let's cheer ourselves let's up. Um, Owen, speaking of Saracens, yes. Owen Farrell, who is once He's... again looking a different Northern gravy altogether. I don't think he will, but I think that come, if he maintains his current level of performance, he should properly be in World Player of the Year consideration because he is just fantastic. If they win the European Cup, you might be like, You can't ignore a Grand Slam yeah. and a European Cup. Yeah, if he if they win the Champions Cup, I think he should probably win European Player of the Year. Definitely, he's just he's on another level to everybody else at the moment. It's whether he's playing 12 whether he's playing 10 his goal kicking is fantastic his distribution's excellent he's got a lot better at running with the ball and sort of spotting the gap and he's just he's playing the best rugby of his career by some margin and again still only 24 25 yeah, coming into coming into his better. prime really next three years yeah, and he's showing that he's developing his game you know he's got that that mentality of that you know, he's he's got that sort of hard-working, ridiculously pernickety sort of brain, you can tell. And he's clearly working on his game, and it's clearly starting to pay dividends. Bruce, it's interesting to see what happened in the summer in Australia now, actually, because he said Ford's not playing particularly well. Although, although Jones all. seems to be the type of guy who might stick with him, I think, because he's, he's that kind of player. But uh, Slade's yeah. fit again. Uh, Cipriani... Yeah. Um, well, yeah, Cipriani was going to be one of my goods, and I'll, I'll put a... A slight mea culpa here. I have been quite unkind about Cipriani's performances since he confirmed that he was going to boss a couple of weeks ago. But he was magnificent against Leicester on Sunday, and like five kicks from five, set up two tries in the first half, and then his break for Tate's third was was magic. And fair play to him and, and to Sale for that matter, because they haven't lost at home since last April, which is so quite Cipriani remarkable. might still be in the England um, mix. I think he, he, if he keeps playing like that. It but was, what do you think is is that the obvious thing is if you yeah. move if you move Farrell into ten, and then you bring Manu mm. in, who again was very good this weekend, it just completely yeah. changes the type of team you've got. 
and I and yeah, I'm not sure not that's sure what Jones wants to do, no. or whether is what he actually should do. He might. I wonder if Cipriani at ten and Farrell at twelve might might be a pretty interesting combination. I, th- I think that I think Slade might start at ten for Exeter fairly regularly quite soon. Interestingly, Devoto's mm. gone there to be behind somebody else. He can't get in front of either Steenson or yeah. <laughs> Which is which is yeah, or Cam- Caminero is in there as well. Centre, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so it's um, yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in mm. in in the in Australia. I hope he does stick with Farrell at twelve, um, because I think you can switch between ten for your club and twelve internationally. I think that's a major problem. Carter did it for years. Yeah, you know, it's, and, and he's cl- he's clearly doing it fine. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's evidenced yeah. by this weekend. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Farrell's pretty good. Um, good. I got um, I watched the Haguares against Stormers from Buenos Aires on Saturday what is good I didn't realise mm. is that um, somebody tweeted me with Daniel Hull-Seif or Seif sorry if that was wrong Daniel um, tweeted me because he was there he was in Buenos Aires he went to the game oh what yeah, a lucky 18,000 people were there uh, he said the atmosphere was great and that best of all £12.50 for a seat on halfway Jesus, for a super rugby game £12.50 a... I mean it says oh. a lot about the size of the market there I suppose because if they were filling it it cost more but even so it's a uh, but yeah, that's just. I mean, and to watch them as well because they oh. are ridiculously fun. Like they're suicidally fun at times. I watched it on Saturday. It stopped but, becoming fun actually because they just became their own worst enemy in the end. It's like, actually <laughs> yeah, they were just. There's like, so much of this I can enjoy, and actually now you're just being fucking stupid. Yeah, they they offload with terminal intensity, yeah. don't they? And I they they're obviously just starting to find their feet, and they they. They're trying to just do everything here, but yeah, they're going to be so much fun for it's so cr- long. And, and also, Nike, if you're listening, can we please have some Haguaros shirts in Europe? Can you not because get them? Everybody bloody loves them. No, they are not coming to Europe as of yet, and they need to because everyone wants them because they're cool as fuck. Well, they'd, they'd absolutely so, clean yeah. up, wouldn't they? They absolutely would. Yeah. So obviously, but, the uh, Nike sales oh, well. guys who are obviously listening to this pod out there, Josh runs a uh, nice little website. <laughs> Well, at the end, I, I do actually know a guy who works at Nike who designs their shirts, and and I've had I weirdly got contacted by the head of the Argentinian Rugby Union about this matter a couple of weeks ago. Oh, look at you, Out of the fucking blue, I don't know why that happened, but uh, yes, he he said they might come to Europe, but um, they've basically got to sell as many like they're giving them all to Argentina first and we get the leftovers which I think is frankly not good enough I want my goddamn Aguara shoes that's ridiculous yeah yes um, what are, if we give them the Falklands back will they give us some Aguara shirts because <laughs> I would happily trade, trade that I'll tell you absolutely it's just some penguins in an air force base <laughs> yeah we definitely don't want to go down that um, road we don't want it. We don't want any. God, we don't want any feedback so on that comment by for the way, that. or the comments we've no. just made. Um, no, we, we are kidding. For God's sake, right, we are kidding. Any more good from you, um, Josh? Uh, yes, uh, Rob Evans. I mentioned earlier, he was absolutely fantastic. Demolished two international props and was generally fantastic again. Um, and also, both Ospreys and Scarlets nines, Webb and uh, Gareth Davis were both excellent again. Shows what good options Wells have got a nine at the moment and two very different Gareth Davis did well. look very very strong he looked on Saturday I've never seen that from him before he looked yes. like a pretty strong oh, he, lad you know, he's always been quick mm. he's always been all that but he, he actually yes, pretty he, he seems to yeah. Sunday whenever it was whatever the game was he looked strong Speakers, yeah. speaking of good nines as well um, George uh, Robson the Wasps nine real talk 
I think that Wasps' two scrum halves are better than either of England's current nine options that they're actually using. Yeah. Um, I watched Ben Young's again Robson on has been for Leicester, mm. and he really, or whatever day it was, and he still his, his service. He still has that little, you know, fox trot before he passes. It's he it doesn't. Oh God, I hate that. Stop <laughs> doing it. Why do so many? Not? It's 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 a lack of decisiveness. Whereas you look at somebody like Robson, who's who's come in in Joe Simpson's absence and has been absolutely electric, and was at the four again against Newcastle on the weekend, got a try. Um, and obviously Joe Simpson does exactly mm. the same. And what a fantastic one-two combination they're going to have when Simpson gets fit again. Mm. Because yeah. That's going to be okay, fun. Okay, so does that bring us to the end of shit? Good, have you got anything else? Uh, the only other thing was uh, Worcester. They're yeah. pretty much safe with that win over London Irish, and fair play to them. i got to give credit to Dean Ryan. They've been playing decent rugby all season, but the results just weren't coming, and he's stuck with it, and, and they've they've paid off You have end, to remember as well, because you have to remember that they are statistically the most wronged team in the league. <laughs> so they've managed, to, according to Dean Ryan... I mean, they've overcome so, so much. So they've managed to you know, stay up, despite being statistically the most maligned yes. team in the entire exactly. league. There's basically uh, an emotional Sunday afternoon biopic coming about this <laughs> yes. anytime now. They've overcome yeah. such adversity. Disney are looking into the rights for how they've managed to triumph <laughs> over being the most wrong team statistically. It'll be like Moneyball, but really shit. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the end of the shit good ratings. No, no jingle yes. this week. Do 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 all that. Nope. Um, let's Lovely. move on to we've 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 resurrected again. How the hell did he get a cat? Because Rich uh, yes. Halkarich on. Uh, Twitter said, and it was, and, and you know, to be fair, it was on the list, but he's right to shout it out there. Yeah. How about Leslie Vinicolo? Oh, yes. oh. You know what, Rich? Why not? Let's talk about Leslie Vinicolo. Why the devil not? Um, he is basically everything that's wrong with rugby's eligibility laws for yes. me. And uh, not only was he not English in any way, but he played rugby league for New Zealand and rugby sevens for Tonga. Yeah, in 2002. And yeah. Yes, and uh, I know it's another code, another sport, whatever, but I think you're entitled to question a player's commitment and motivations when he changes his national allegiance depending on how many men yeah, are on the It was basically like a swingers party. Basically, these he nationalities like, threw uh, the keys into a hat. And he basically, in an ashtray, and, and he, went, oh, he, yep. he would just grab one and, yeah, I'll right, salute with you. Yeah, 15, yeah, why not? And, and he was also shit. Let's not beat around the bush. He was a big, bruising lump of a player. And that worked quite well in the Prem for Gloucester, but he was woefully found it's out easy. at test level. What was it? Five appearances, five appearances no tries. It's easy to forget in the fog of history, in the fog of terrible hair mm. and waddling runs that we remember from that Six Nations in 2008, that he, he, was, he was very classy in RL. You see, and and, and uh, he scored an absolute yeah. shed load of tries. He got a try every two games, roughly, for Gloucester. So he wasn't... He wasn't, mm. he wasn't terrible. I went to watch Wales versus New Zealand in the 2000. Rugby World Cup. I won't do a Bolly Tyler impression again. You'll be glad yeah. to hear. But uh, no, he was playing in that game, and he was he was on oh. the wing, and he was quite near to me when he when he and and when you saw him, he actually put more weight on when he, he put more weight on when he came into rugby league. When you saw him then, when he was when he was right. early twenties, he was really was quite a formidable presence and was incredibly destructive. But as you said, and he actually had a quote once where he said he grew up playing rugby union. So uh, I, he said I grew up playing rugby union, so I had the basic skills. Uh, insert your own joke. <laughs> After that one, yes, um, yeah. and Brian Ashton kept his job after the 2007 World Cup because England got to the final. Mm. He signed for Gloucester mm. that that start of that season, the 07 season, yeah. And then the 08, and was 08 Six Nations, he was picked by Brian Ashton, and then Brian Ashton lost his job 
immediately after the Six Nations. Yeah. So it's probably not that much of a leap to say that probably le- the selection of Leslie Vinicolo cost Brian Aston his job. It could, you could argue. I mean, it was that sort of slightly depressing period in English rugby where anybody who had a New Zealand passport or had any kind of English eligibility was basically getting hoovered up. You know, you Shantane Harpe's Ricky Flutie. It wasn't a very proud I, moment. For I think RF Brian Ashton think. also had, a, an, had an ex had an ex questionable rugby league lumpen person quotient he had to fill because he had Farrell yes. in the World Cup. Then his next, <laughs> oh, then his Farrell, next squad, course, yeah. his next squad, he he, he picked um, he picked Vinicola. I mean, to be honest, people saying Vinicola <laughs> is shit doesn't bother me so much. But when people say Andy Farrell was shit, it really upsets me because he was an absolutely incredible player. <laughs> but um, the and if you look at the actual tournament, he spent most of the tournament looking hesitant, like he didn't know what he was doing. Um, yeah. and then just, just just didn't do a thing looking back at those teams interestingly enough I completely for, that England team for that tournament I'd completely forgotten because and he was starting every game at 7 about Michael Lippmann <laughs> oh, do you Jesus, remember Michael God, Lippmann yeah, all I about like, him. oh yeah Michael Lippmann because he, he was the kind of the, oh, the next answer to the, to the 7 from after yes. Tom Reese got injured he was the next yes and yeah, of, course, of course and after the, the Joe Worsley oh yeah this pre-Joe Worsley experiment and Joe Worsley just yeah. brought in to tackle Jamie Roberts wasn't he well Basically, Al Johnson yeah. took over then didn't he and then you know let's not go into that yes but I, I'm, I'm going no. off on a couple of minutes but Lippmann I remember he was one of that group of Bath players God, who basically yeah. resigned because they refused to take drug tests or so the story goes yes him and Justin Justin Harrison was another one the Aussie second rower mm, yes because then, then, then obviously Matt Stevens had some, some a slightly unfortunate incident, and then Lipman yes. ended up going off to that massive European ex- exodus to the Melbourne Rebels when Gareth mm. Dell. Oh, of course he, he went. Did, didn't Gareth he? Yeah, Dell went. Um, didn't Cipriani yes. go? And they were both ex-Bath. Weirdly, yeah. Well, well, there's a question to say they've left the country, so nobody's going to make them piss in a pot. It well, would say, God, you wonder, you know. You, but there you go. So yeah, so he was, and then he ended up. He finished his career in France. Not we're going back on Vinicola now. He finished his career in France. Is it Montpellier? Yes, yeah. he with? I can't remember. But he, he uh, and he scored about a try every other game for them he, as well. So <laughs> I think he might. I think he is. He still playing somewhere down in the fucking oh, depths of. But he's he's. He might. It well was be. a very. I think I do think I was joking about Costin Ash and his job, but I, I think what it did is it made people go, "Why is he picking him?" You know, yeah. there's a question. And I think that's and he was fair seen enough. as obviously this rugby Yoda thing, wasn't he, Ashton? But then mm. it didn't quite come to pass. But yeah, it, and all I can remember is the massive number of different hair weave colours that he did. He did love to mix that. And looking shit at him, it looked he? like he just basically sat in the barbers eating KFC, <laughs> having those like four-hour hair weaves done while chomping down on some uh, gravy and fried chicken. Yes, not that I would have said any of that because I was working in Bath at that time. Did you see uh, him around? Well, I did. Oh, yeah, no, he played for Gloucester, uh, didn't he? Did he play? In a... Didn't. Yes, but he did get. Uh, he was found not guilty in the end. Oh but he yeah, ended up that fracker. Yes, GBH and yes. Yeah, I don't know what really happened there, but he got off. So obviously he was as innocent as anything else. But so um, the answer is yeah. we don't really know how he got a cap. My suggestion is that it was an RL quotient that Brian Ashton liked to to fill. Or maybe, plus just being blinded. Maybe he just really liked cor- like cornrows. Loved. <laughs> he loves a bit cornrows. of cornrow. Yeah. And he um, and I, I, just, I just think there was, there was that very strange decision making period in England rugby for a while, where they just picked big lads who it was looked like odd. they should be better than they actually are. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. How did he get a cap? Remember, you can give us a suggestion for how the hell did he get a cap. You can add a tweet at Blood yes. and Mud, or you can tweet directly to Josh at 
at Josh um, or you can Simple email me at lee at bloodandblood.com or you can find us on Facebook or you can find us on the web and you can mm. please give us a shout and let us know what you think about things right then let's do um, this very quickly try and sort of map out this global season thing it's raised its head quite recently yeah. uh, Ben Tadman on Twitter got in touch to say I'm not a Saris fan but Nigel Ray speaking up about the effect of the Six Nations and the Prem at the same time uh, sorry the effect of the Six Nations on the Prem and it hurting Saris and Quinns and all this <clears> kind of <throat> stuff and how you fit internationals yeah. in and the- yeah Andrew Hoare the Ospreys CEO who's leaving in the summer has basically came out and said that there needs to be a global season otherwise um, the Pro 12 is doomed and Welsh Rugby is doomed which is nice and sunny but I'm off and, see uh, of course the- <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm off to Super Rugby I'm off to Super Rugby where the um, sun shines all the time exactly New South Wales is lovely at this time of year um, and of course the All Blacks have said that they're not going to schedule any tests mm. after the 2019 World Cup in an attempt to force the issue because frankly and quite rightly they're sick of understrength Northern Hemisphere teams coming down to be lambs to the slaughter because it doesn't appeal to punters and they don't sell tickets. I bet it doesn't appeal to the and players very much, as much as everybody likes to win. I'm sure no. they just think, well, what is the actual point of this fucking thing? But there you go. Well, exactly, yeah. I mean, that's before you even get to the player welfare and general fairness side of things. It's, yeah. It's obvious to me that international players are probably having their careers shortened and their future quality of life jeopardised by how much rugby they're playing and how much little time off their bodies are Because it is virtually a 12 month so, season. With it. If you're an international player, it's a 12 month season, isn't it? What are you getting off? Yeah. Two weeks? And you look at, um, yeah, if you're lucky, and and you've got to look at the case. For me, the case of Adam Wynn Jones here has kind of brought this all into sharp focus, and I think that's probably why Hall was spouting off as well. Because not only do you get like limited, if you have internationals in your team, not only do you get limited access to them, but when you do, they're usually knackered or injured. And you look at Adam Wynn Jones; he's basically been playing rugby constantly since 2011 with very little. He's you know hardly ever been injured. He's been on a Lions tour. He's been to two World Cups, and then of course he played the entire Six Nations injured, and now has to take a six-week rest when the Ospreys desperately need their captain and probably best player to galvanise their chase of the top six, and it's all gone wrong. Mm. And that sort of thing, like, is just patently not fair on these clubs and teams that are developing and you know nurturing international talent there's got to be a way that they can still maintain their international ambitions while also giving their clubs a fair so you mentioned you've had a sort of you know little limitedly thought through plan to have a look at Mm. it so you're looking at basically basically, rugby would move to the summer in Europe wouldn't it (coughs) sort of yeah what I'm thinking is that the northern hemisphere season and the southern hemisphere seasons both start mid-January up north we kick off with the Six Nations and down south, Super Rugby starts mid-January. Slightly earlier than now, but sort of not stupidly mid-winter. Mm. Um, so the Six Nations, you play it on consecutive weekends until the end of February. And then the domestic season starts and you play that all the way through, probably until the end of July, I'm guessing. Once you've factored in Europe and yeah. all that stuff. Down south, Super Rugby finishes about six weeks earlier. And then they're into the Rugby Championship. They play that through and so... Rugby Championship finishes around the same time as the European domestic season finishes. You have a little break, um, and then you go straight into the Summer Hemisphere Tours. Northern Hemisphere goes down south, or the Lions, um, which then carries on until probably mid-September time, after which there's a three-week break. Everyone regroups and recovers. Back up north for the Autumn Internationals, um, which will end by mid-November, and then everybody gets a month off before they're back into pre-season. 
I don't know about the maths of that. I haven't thought it through in detail, but in my brain, it feels like it could. Well, see, work. what you're looking at effectively is a playing period of January to November, with yeah, obviously the the break between mid mid end of November <coughs> to January, but then also some breaks planned yeah. in, sort of three week break. Yeah, you'd have a couple of weeks. The, yeah, you'd have the a couple of weeks here and finishing. there. And obviously, the, yeah, you sort of toss a week or two in there, you know, just to. And then you could also do things like, I mean, obviously that leaves a big hole in the domestic season because that would basically be over by July and then there would be nothing until February. But that's when you play the fucking LV Cup and all this shit that absolutely nobody gives a But they're filling about. it now anyway because you're basically playing a whole season exactly. and then they're filling all the gaps in between with internationals and tours and, exactly. and everything else. So, you and know, so they could choose to fill it up should they want to. Absolutely, you can play. You could the Barbars could have a new lease of life by actually playing against. You know when they're not, they use all the basically Northern Hemisphere's players when they're down south and mm. vice versa. You know, well, they could actually have Barbars tours, couldn't they? They could plan stuff like yes, that in exactly. if they wanted to. That sounds like it. So, well, you know, the finer detail might need to be ironed out, but it, the, the, but the kind absolutely. of January to that. Generally, January to November, February to November, whatever way you look at it, is probably the way. Yeah. Some people might make some argument about the fact that well, you can't open your season with the Six Nations, but then again, they've not. They didn't. Well, Why not? No, I'm not saying I may agree with that. I'm just saying that's <laughs> yeah. what people will say. Yeah. <laughs> but at the point, but well, you know, it might affect the quality, and people <clears throat> won't be fit. It's like, well, they look. They were meant to be fit this time, and it was shit. So I don't think I don't really see how yeah. that's going to solve uh, anything. And also, they they would have they'll be coming into it fresh, which might mean they're lacking a little bit of. They might not be as sort of sharp as they would be if the season, you know, if they are at the moment, but they'll be substantially fresher and substantially less fucking knackered and flogged, which could be quite beneficial. And it wouldn't really... The thing that I like about my plan is that it doesn't really mess with any of the timings of things, you know. Yeah. We still have the Six Nations early in the year, slightly earlier than February, but, you know, still sort of around that first couple of months of the year then... Summertime, you've got the tours, and then autumn, you've got internationals in the northern hemisphere. And yeah, the domestic season is altered as a result. But is it was it going to be a bad thing that the Premiership final and the cha- and the Champions Cup final and all those would be played mid July? I wouldn't have said so because when there's, there's very little there's other sports apart from international football yeah. tournaments at that time, which only happen every two years anyway. Yeah. And are you really pulling at the same thread there? Are you pu- are you no, pulling exactly. from the same pool of people in terms of people you want to watch it anyway? Yeah, you know, Sky Sports, BT, and the like would be fucking delighted with that because they have flog some advertising, something else. Yeah, and you know, it's yeah, something's got to be done, I think, because it's just patently broken at the moment. And there's also the arguable. I mean, everything you just said. There's also the 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 less tangible things you can look at. The, The rugby might be a bit better. If there is that stopped. as well. I didn't want to automatically assume that nice weather equals good rugby. Well, you've got to give it yeah. a chance, haven't you? At the end of the day, I mean, because I mean, when yeah. you, when, you know, if I I wasn't a particularly <laughs> good rugby player, as somebody one of the one of the ratings pointed out, I talk a better game than I ever played. Somebody who I know left a rating. Thank you very much. <laughs> Air, give you out there. Um, the, you know, I didn't play a very good level, but I certainly do seem to remember. And I think this carries across all levels that you can certainly play rugby better when you can feel your hands. Yes, well, it's a very it's basic just, thing. It's weird being physics able to feel like that, your hands it? actually means you can probably play rugby mm. a little bit better. Probably, and just we all, you know, we joke when we went back to the from the World Cup to the domestic season back in the mists of the pod. You know, when I remember that sort of 
couple of weeks in in October and November after the World Cup finished, where just the weather was just incessantly awful, mm. and it just shat it down, and it was cold, and the rugby was dreadful. And it's like we can cut that whole thing out. We can have no rugby played in the month of December. Yeah, they'll just they'll just have to and do preseason then, lovely. and they deserve that. That's yeah, you know, make preseason yeah, exactly. tougher. Preseason should be played. It should be in the pissing fucking rain, and it's miserable and it's cold. It's better than them being fucking hot, yes. isn't it? When you're trying to do bloody conditioning runs and yeah, all that stuff. Your ring up. Might as well do it in the cold. Yeah. See the steam coming off your yeah, own rain, sick. Rain that's the way it forward. <laughs> um, yeah. So we think that's that. Well, I say we. I'll be honest. Josh came up with that entirely on his own. We just. I, yes, I just. And we I've just got threw the idea together. No basis in. But I, I do think yeah. there's something to be said for that. Actually, yeah. The we open with the Six Nations. We have domestic seasons. Then we have some summer tours on in July-ish, and then we have yeah. sort of autumn internationals as we head towards November-ish. And also, from the Six Nations point of view, like how good would it be to kick off the season when everybody's already like the floating voter is excited about rugby because of the Six Nations, and then the week after you have you know the double header at Twickenham or Judgment Day at the Millennium Stadium or whatever, and it actually makes a big thing of domestic rugby and could probably pull in a few more I'll, I'll be honest punters, Josh, it sounds like it makes an incredible amount of sense and for that reason only it will never be adopted <laughs> never at all ever no I mean the thing is we laugh about that but I mean when you're getting that many unions around a table and it's, yeah. forget unions getting that many people around a table to agree something this seismic it's going to be no it's going to be I hope it does though I think that could be a new lease of life for happen. rugby generally and it has to because for everything you just said let's not go over it again so that's our suggestion yeah. we think that's a global season let us know what you think cool um, that brings us to the end of this week's pod uh, the first non-Six Nations pod um, we've got another track to add into the loop the world's first and only never-ending rugby-related playlist Grant McDermott got in touch with me to discuss our effective metres um Stats. He wasn't. He's a statistician man himself. He tells me and he wasn't. He, he wasn't oh, overly impressed with how it was being put together. I said, "Hey, don't have a go at me." Here's Accenture's yeah, email. But, uh, but he did suggest for the loop because he said he has been a listener to the pod for a long time and a long time fan of the blog. So thanks very much, Grant. Um, he did suggest that, given that we've had these arguments over the effective meters carries, that we should have in the loop this week the song "Ain't No Use" by the Meters. Brings Very in meters nice. and it questions whether or not it's any use whatsoever. So if you were like those of you who are out there who might be aficionados of seventies funk, might go, hang mm. on a minute, this song's eleven minutes long. <laughs> and you would be right. However, you'll be glad to know so, I will uh, I will get not the be there. You could wait well, if you want eleven minutes, you'll have to go and find it yourself because I'm gonna cut this off at about the four and a half minute mark because the song <laughs> actually does end about that mark. There's about a seven minute funk. It was the 70s in New Orleans. Let's, Let's just, just leave it at that. that. So they go off for seven yeah. minutes, and I'm sure they thought it sounded brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, so anyway, Josh, thanks very much. We'll be Always back next a pleasure. Week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Take care. Take care.
Pick up your phone while driving, and you might need to be picked up from work. Break the speed limit, and you could be breaking plans with your mates. Leave L or N plates off your car, and you could be left getting taxis for the next six months. So ask yourself, is it really worth it? Seven penalty points over three years will disqualify learner and novice drivers for six months. Steer clear of points, and stay on the road. A message from the Road Safety Authority.
Sports Social Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.